Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jantz, and my guest today is Brad Feld. He has been an early age, or early age, <laughs> since an early age, how's that? Early stage investor uh, um, in entrepreneur. He is a co-founder of Techstars uh, and currently a partner and co-founder in the Foundry Group located in Boulder, Colorado, and he's also a co-author of the book Do More Faster with David Cohen, also a co-founder of Techstars. So, Brad, uh, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, John. Well, um, you told me offline you had the flu, so I'm going to take it easy on you and only ask you questions that you should know the answers to, okay? Outstanding. All right. So the the Foundry Group, um, you know, I think a lot of people when you talk about early stage investing and, and you know, all the, the startup entrepreneur, you know, IT stuff that goes on, I think there's probably a lot of confusion about how that process really works. I wonder, have, have you been able, because I'm sure at cocktail parties people say, so what do you do? Uh, have you been able to get that uh, fairly succinct in, in, you know, what the process is and in, in, uh, potentially considering some somebody or something to invest in? Um, yes, and you know, one of the things that uh, that we work hard at is to try to get our, help our companies, especially early stage companies, be really crisp about answering that same question. So I right. think it would be a bad form if we couldn't do it ourselves. Um, <laughs> and I, I think you're right. I think a lot of people are confused about, um, or you know, and a lot of venture firms, by the way, are confused about exactly what sure. they do. Yeah, right, right, right. So in in the case of Foundry Group. Uh, we are uh, early stage software internet investors. We invest anywhere around the U.S. Um, we tend to invest very early in the life of a company, typically when it's a couple of people, but we're comfortable investing in companies up to 20, 30 employees. Um, we will ordinarily uh, be the first investor in a company, but not exclusively. So lots of companies that we've invested in have already raised angel money, maybe a half a million, a million, even $2 million prior to us investing. We take a thematic approach to investing. So there are four partners. All four of us invest in the same types of things. And the things that we invest in are defined across a handful of different horizontal themes, which I won't go into here because that will break well, my you, know, you, you don't have to go into them necessarily, but you have some fun names, Implicit Web and Glue and Digital Life. I mean, those sound like cool things to invest in. And we try to create, we try to keep it very abstract. So uh, glue, for example, is software that glues stuff together on the internet. Um, we have a theme we call distribution, which is companies that are using um, new forms of distribution uh, to build their business. So Zynga would be an example of that, where their business was you know transformed social gaming on top of uh, Facebook as a distribution platform. We have a theme we call protocol, where we invest in companies that are building around technology protocols, whether it be SMTP, which is a protocol underlying right. email, or RSS, which you know, when we started investing, nobody knew about. But yeah, well, in fact, so, you, 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 you were really big investors in RSS, right? I mean, uh, the Technoratis and the feed burners, and, and I'm kind of an RSS geek. I, I still talk about it a lot, even though it's just plumbing now. When we invested in RSS in 2004, 2005, those two plus Newscator was probably the other one that yeah. people uh, generally remember around. And all three of those companies have done So well. do you uh, – yeah, I'm, I'm actually headed to Google tomorrow. So I guess, you know, that's uh, – being bought by Google is – can be a good thing, right? Um, which, yeah. which FeedBurner did. So so these companies, do you find them? Do they find you? Is it a, is it a mix? 
It's a mix. Um, I would say that uh, we're pretty visible in the in the themes that we invest in. So a lot of entrepreneurs seek yeah. us out. We also uh, tend to have a lot of referrals from other entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurs that we've worked with. So we see a lot of uh, introductions coming from companies that we're already investors in to other entrepreneurs. We do invest all around the U.S. But we tend to have concentration in a handful of, of cities, uh, uh, Northern and Southern California, Seattle, Boston, New York, and obviously Boulder. And, you know, those entrepreneurial communities, once we've made a couple of investments in them, we tend to get to know people. Uh, for example, we just made an investment in a company in Portland called Urban Airship, and my partner Jason's now spend, you know, he'll be in Portland six to nine times next year. And I'm sure he'll get to know his way around the Portland entrepreneurial community, and I would expect that we'll do yeah. something else. There's a couple other names on your roster that, you know, I, I told you when we started my listenership, small business uh, owners, marketers. There's a couple names on your roster that are very familiar to, to anybody that's really been online. I think just, and say, uh, legit, another Boulder company but are, are there some other companies that you'd that you'd expect we probably haven't heard of that you are telling people hey you need to pay attention to these guys yeah i'll just pick two one of both of them actually also being bolder companies um if you're uh doing anything around search engine marketing you should pay attention to trada t-r-a-d-a um, they've grown extremely fast this year uh, they're a company that provides uh a crowdsourced SEM optimization. So if you want to do search engine marketing and you want to use the crowd to help optimize all your SEM activity, uh, Trot is a, a product and a platform for doing that. Um, another one would be SendGrid, which is a company that provides outsourced transactional email delivery. So if you have a web service and you're delivering any sort of emails that are not marketing-oriented, but transactional-oriented. Think about those emails that you get that say so-and-so friended you or you've right. got a notification for this. That volume of email is actually much greater than the marketing email that gets sent out by the email marketing companies and in many ways is, is uh, uh, even more important to outsource just to get right so it gets through spam filters, it has canned spam tags on it, things like that. Yeah. Um... Speaking of, so thanks, I'm going to check both of those out, but uh, speaking of crowdsourcing, that was really, uh, I mentioned your book, Do More Faster, that was, uh, would we say that that's an approach that was taken in writing that book to some extent? I mean, it is a collection of essays from Techstar-related mentors, is that is that a good way to I think you could say it was crowdsourced, or you could be a little harsher and say we were we were lazy and needed help from our friends. <laughs> um <laughs> When uh, David Cohen and I sat down to write Do More Faster, uh, we made a list of about 100 uh, chapters that we wanted to write, all short, two- to five-page chapters, you know, that were uh, lines, either, you know, aphorisms or cliches yeah. uh, that we talked about at Techstars. And when we looked at the list, it was pretty daunting, and we said, there's no way we're ever going to write all 100 of them. So uh, we sent out emails to a bunch of the Techstars mentors and investors, and essentially, ask people to help us write the book. Uh, and, and, the, and there's some slackers, you know, Dick Costello, uh, uh, CEO of Twitter, Fred Wilson, uh, Tim Ferriss, you know, Matt Mullenweg, the, the WordPress guy. So uh, probably some good stuff there, huh? Yeah, I mean, all these guys, you know, in addition to being extremely accomplished uh, entrepreneurs or investors, uh, have been super mentors for the Techstars program, which is, you know, the essence of what Techstars is, is having these, these great folks help first-time entrepreneurs get their businesses up and running.
This halftime break is brought to you by Constant Contact. Constant Contact helps small businesses and nonprofits build great customer relationships with email marketing, event marketing, and online surveys. Visit them today at constantcontact.com and sign up for your free 60-day trial. So would you say this is like a cookbook? I mean, it's kind of like, okay, we're going to follow, you know, the first course, then we're going to go to hiring people, and then we're going to go to product and fundraising and finance. I mean, would you say that? I, I know it's broken up into kind of themes like that, uh, but but would you say that's a good way to, to describe the book as well? And more or less. We, one of the things that I think is true about entrepreneurship is that there's no, uh, you know, there's, there's no, uh, you know, step one through ten type guide. And if you if you look at the entrepreneurial books or books that are aimed at first-time entrepreneurs, they tend to fall in two categories. Um, one category is what I call ego books, which is famous entrepreneur writes a book about if you just do these things, you'll you too someday will be famous and rich like me. And look at my plane. And uh, here's here's me with my football team. And you know you can be great someday. I mean, so those books are interesting. I think it's an NBA team, though. No, maybe basketball. Sorry, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Those books are fun. You know, a couple of them are fun, but they're not that helpful. They're, you know, they're good. They're good biographies, but that's it. And then there's a consultant yeah. book, which is, you know, if you follow these steps, you'll be successful. And we're trying to find a balance between those and get real first-person accounts, which we've gotten from both the mentors as well as the TechStars founders, because many of the chapters were written by uh, by folks that went through the TechStars program. Yeah. We've then edited heavily and organized them so that, you know, it's a cohesive book and then put a lot of connected tissue between them. So, you know, we think it's we think it's unique in that you get the first person account, but you get it across lots of different people and perspectives. Yeah. So let's dive into a couple of cliches, shall we? <laughs> um, replace the word failure with learning is uh, one of my favorites. I, I think I wrote something similar along the lines recently. Uh, I, I think I said something like uh, uh, challenges are, are merely information or something like that. And I think that that's, uh, that's probably a mindset that, you know, or a skin or something that you have to have if you're going to survive this, isn't it? Absolutely. There, there's no doubt that building a successful entrepreneurial company, you know, over a long period of time is, simply an endless, you know, endless set of course corrections. Um, yeah. You feel constantly at stuff and you have to be, be willing to enable to fail, um, not just at the individual things that you're trying, but, you know, broad themes within the business. And of course, over an entrepreneurial life, you're going to have failure in individual businesses. And I think all great entrepreneurs have had, you know, entire businesses uh, be not successful as part of their, their journey. And um, I, I think that, we talk about things like fail fast and, you know, sort of embracing failure. I think there's a chapter called Don't Celebrate the Right Things, which is a very heartfelt story by uh, two guys, <clears throat> Rob and Josh, that were founders of a company, EventView, that failed. So it's sort of, you know, staring failure in the face and recognizing it's just part of the entrepreneurial journey, I think, is incredibly important. Well, you know, you bring up an inter interesting point that I – I don't know. Maybe you have an opinion on this. I think I certainly do. I mean, is there a difference between what we're calling an entrepreneur and somebody that starts a business? Yes. So uh, th there's two categories, and neither of them, by the way, is better. They're just different. Right. Um, I, I think that there are uh, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial businesses, and then there are small businesses. And I think the word entrepreneur 
gets used broadly across anyone who starts a business, which, by the way, is fine. I don't, I don't think that there's an issue with it. But I think in, in my universe, there really is a difference between high-growth companies, companies that, are, that have aspirations to become you know, meaningful businesses, um, and businesses that are the corner grocery store or the corner laundry mat or a franchise business. Again, one isn't better or worse than the other. They, they just have different characteristics. So, you know, the yeah. person who's starting a local, uh, a local retail shop that wants to run a local retail shop and has no aspiration to grow beyond that is going to need different kinds of help and support uh, and is going to have different types of things that they're going to do in their business than somebody who's trying to create, you know, a business that ultimately, you know, employs thousands of people and, you know, covers uh, – uh, you know, the world geographically. Yeah, and, and, and I think that distinction is important because I'm with you. I think that everybody lumps anybody that starts a business in with maybe this uh, other category, and I, I think the distinction is important to understand. So um, build an awesome team is uh, another sort of uh, cliche. It is advice that's offered probably in every single book you pick up, and quite frankly, I think it is the – it is the uh, the hurdle, <laughs> the constraint, you know, for most high-growth businesses because I find a lot of entrepreneurs, frankly, aren't people persons. They aren't able and willing to, to give up control of this uh, thing they started, but I think it's ultimately where they'll choke, isn't it? I think it's, it's part that. It's also that if, you, if you've ever been involved in scaling a business, you know that regularly you have to continue to add uh, new people to the mix, and as part of that, you have an opportunity to, you know, in, improve the dynamics around the entire team. I have a we have a really good example of a company that's growing extremely fast. Uh, this is a company called Trotta, and the the founder Neil Robertson, um, who started the company with one of my partners, um, uh, Seth Levine. Essentially, when he started the company, he had a mission not to hire anybody that somebody in the company hadn't already worked with. Mm. So, you know, their view was at the beginning of the business, let's eliminate the uncertainty around whether the person's going to be a fit or not and only hire people who we have direct experience working with. Mm. They got to about 50 people. The company's grown very, very fast. They got to about 50 people, and Neil had the epiphany that, many, that he had nobody in the business that had ever grown a company from 50 people to 500 people. And so everybody around the leadership team was essentially figuring it out as they went. And so they flipped that paradigm on its head and they said, okay, from this point forward, we can't hire somebody we've ever worked with before. And what we have to go do now is find people that have been on this kind of a journey that, you know, have grown businesses to 500 or a thousand people and understand what that growth curve looks like. So I think it's deeper than just, you know, both build the best team. It's figuring out mechanisms to, evaluate and manage that um, and recognize that it scales over time. One other comment I'd make on that, we, uh, we have a, a couple of companies, I think, that take their leadership extremely, uh, well, I think many of the companies do, but I think a couple of companies have really been exemplary in how they've dealt with their leadership teams. Um, Return Path and Rally are two that come to mind, both companies that are now a couple of hundred people. Um, and the CEOs of those companies uh, regularly uh, spend an enormous amount of time and have as part of their sort of executive purview this notion of team development. And they're really focusing on building a leadership team that runs the company rather than building a team that they can direct and that they can control. 
you've you're segued beautifully into my last uh, kind of cliche and point here, and that is that culture matters. Um, I, I think again, uh, a lot of organizations realize that maybe too late. Uh, but I also I'm I'm listening to you talk about Trata, and I'm thinking, okay. You know, they probably built a certain culture with that. Let's only hire people we've worked with. Um, and maybe now bringing in people that have been on this fast growth, flip it and, you know, uh, type of uh, approach. Is that, I mean, is that going to destroy the culture? Is that, you know, how do you prepare for that? I think you have to recognize that, you know, the, the, the CEO and the founders set the culture. Um, as you add people, it evolves the culture and that you have to continue to be clear about what you're trying to create as the business gets bigger and bigger. And there are very logical um, transition points um, where you have to step back and reevaluate, you know, are we being true to what our culture is and what we're trying to accomplish? And I think, I think a mistake a lot of entrepreneurs make, frankly, they just don't, they're so consumed and so busy with what they're dealing with every day that they don't spend enough time as the leaders of the business to step back and think about it. Well, no question. I mean, do you and you you must encounter, you know, two guys, right, that come to you and their culture basically is, hey, look, we don't have to wear ties and we get to create this cool stuff. Um, do, you know, do is that? I mean, can you take that, you know, mentality and and say, wait a minute, we need to step back and start thinking about what this thing is going to be and what the mission, vision, values, you know, culture of this large organization is going to be. I mean, how, you know, do people? Uh, do you see too many people get way down, you know, the path before they ever even realize how important that is? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think a lot of people also, especially if they haven't been involved in, in a, a high growth company, confuse, you know, culture with things like what clothes you wear to work. And so right. your example is a particularly poignant one, which is that, you know, the dress code often has very little to do with culture. It has something, but has very little. And if the dress code is front and center, that's a very defining statement about culture that, yeah. that the company is either trying to be, you know, more formal or more casual. And that that's what everybody's leading with versus, you know, what's the essence of what you're really trying to create as a business and how are you trying to interact with each other in the context of that? And, you know, the, the soft side of culture in terms of communication, values, um, how you interact with each other, how you interact with your customers, the reward dynamics within the company, expectations for when people are going to, you know, just crank like crazy versus let up, you know, because it's not sustainable for everybody to sprint all the time. So the book, uh, Do More Faster, can be found pretty much anywhere books are sold, I'm guessing. And you have a site for the book uh, as well, right? Yep, domorefasterbook.com. All right, and uh, tell, tell me, uh, uh, can people, we, I meant to actually ask you about this uh, in the very beginning, but uh, is, is Techstar still uh, taking on folks? I mean, is that something that people can, uh, uh, can do, if very, very early startup uh, folks that are looking for mentors, is that something they can still check into? Yeah, absolutely. Techstars runs uh, four programs a year. Uh, the one in uh the sort of January to March timeframe is in New York. Uh, the spring timeframe is in Boston. They're currently taking applications for the Boston program. Uh, summer is in Boulder and then fall is in Seattle. And anytime there's at least one program that has applications open, right now it's the Boston program. And if you just go to techstars.org, you can apply.
All right, great. Well, Brad, right, thanks great. so much for joining me. Uh, hopefully we can catch up again. And uh, next time in, I'm in Boulder, which uh, may not be too uh, too long, I'll, I'll look you and a few of these uh, um, startups uh, up. Definitely give us a shout. All right, take care. Yeah.